to give you a little background about myself. I was a young man who didn't really care about God or other people. Um, I hate to say that, but that's that's my background, and um, and that's the way I lived my life. It was always about me and what was best for me and what I could get for myself. And then a long, long, long story short, um, through my brother, because he got baptized the, the summer before, um, I had the opportunity to hear the gospel. And it changed my life and it changed it forever as Jesus always does. It's not a one-time thing. It changes your life forever. And so here I am today. I was, uh, I got a degree in, in accounting at Rutgers University. I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior my third year in college. And, and then uh, I had an opportunity to go to the seminary at Andrews University like my brother did the year before. You couldn't pay to get me there. That would have never happened. It's not anything I wanted. But God had a plan. And I was smart enough to allow him to, to lead. And I'm sure I wasn't smart enough, but God made me smart enough to allow him to lead. And uh, that was a great thing. And I, I pastored uh, in New Jersey. That's where I'm from. I was born in Philadelphia, raised in Jersey. If you're from Jersey, you don't say New Jersey. You say Jersey. Uh, but born in Philly, raised in Jersey. And uh, I went back there and pastored. Then I went out to Nevada, Utah, and pastored there in that conference in, uh, in Moab, Utah, and uh, a couple of the surrounding areas. And then I went over to Las Vegas. I pastored there. Then I came back and got the treasury work. Was God surprised? <laughs> no. <laughs> he knew I loved numbers. He knew I loved numbers, but he knew I needed that seminary training and that pastoral experience to make me better as a conference administrator. Amen. Uh, and that really worked. But also it solidified me in what I believed. Going to seminary just drilled it home on what I believe and why I believe it. You know, I was baptized... Because I knew it was the right thing to do. I, I was baptized because the Holy Spirit was convicting me. Stand up and get up front. So I did. I walked up front. And I'm an introvert, so you couldn't pay me to do that. But I did it anyway because I was so heavily convicted. But you know, it was in the seminary probably two years later that I fell in love with Jesus. Did you get that? Yeah. I was baptized, and then I fell in love with Jesus. And it was through a study of his word. And so I fell in love with Jesus, and I never met anyone that loved me that much. And so that was it for me. At that point, tithing, offering, and, and going to church, and other things, it wasn't even a question anymore. Because once you fall in love with Jesus, it's all over. That's right. Lord... You would more for me than I do for myself. You would the very best for me, so whatever you want, that's fine. One of the things I'm concerned about with uh, the Seventh Adventist Church is we're starting, in some circles, to get away from the Word of God. Mm. 
Um, I fell in love with Jesus because of the study of the Word of God. The biggest mistake we could ever make as people is to get away from the Word of God and studying His Word. Major mistake. From a Science of the Times article, I, I have a quote in the front of my Bible. I just, I just, um, I like this so much, I just tape it there. <laughs> it says this, the Bible is God's uh, voice speaking to us, just as surely as if we could hear it with our own ears. If we realize this, with what all we would open God's word, and with what earnestness would we search his precepts? The reading and contemplation of the scriptures would be regarded as an audience with the infinite one. There, that's direct. We don't have to figure out what that means. The importance of the word of God. Last night, uh, Pastor Sergio was talking about we are the light of the world. We, we are. Everyone here is the light of the world. And what he tried to explain to everyone was God has called you individually to reach other people. Do you have to preach him a great sermon? No, you can go out and put their trash out on the curb right. because they're sick. Right. You, you can just say hi to them and encourage them. And that's, that's being the light of the world. So that's what he was talking about last night, uh, that we are the light in the world. We are the hands and feet of, of Jesus to this world that's really messed up. Thank you. The last time I did that, and it fell over, my, my Bible and all my papers did, they all, there was music too, and they brought it all together... <laughs> And then I was out of sermon <laughs> because they got it all mixed up, and, and, but that was okay. That's okay. That's all right. That's right. I went on to the next church, and then they brought it over. <laughs> uh, there, there's one thing I realized more than anything else uh, on what to make a church grow. I realized early on, and it's amazing because they have done study after study after study afterwards, that all people want is to be loved and accepted. Mm. That's it. That's There's right. no magic formula. That's right. They want to be loved and accepted. That's right. In our brokenness, with our problems, mm -hmm. with all our stuff, mm -hmm. people just want to be loved and accepted. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's the magic formula for growing your church. Right. That's really it. You love people, you accept them, no matter what they look like, mm -hmm. no matter what they say, no matter how rough they are, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. If you love them and accept them, they will come. Amen. And they will stay. But they have to be loved and accepted. Mm -hmm. The disciple John talked about love more than any other disciple. Uh, turn with me in your scriptures to 1 John. And if you have it on a device... Uh, if you have it on a device, your, your iPhone, iPad, that's okay too. I will be assuming that you're not looking up your email. First John chapter 4, verse 7. 
Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. And the one who does not love does not know God, for God is what? How's that? That's how you describe God. God is love. Mm -hmm. You want to know what love is? Look at God. And then he continues down there in verse 10. And this is love, not that we love God, but he loved us and sent his son. Verse 11, God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Verse 12, no one has beheld God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Uh, verse 17, by this love is perfected with us that we may have confidence in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. Verse 18, there is no fear in love. Isn't that great? There's no fear in love. We're, today on the, the story we're going to talk about, it's going to talk about fear, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment. And the one who fears is not perfected in love. Verse 19, we love, why? Because he first loved us. And that's so true. My response to God two years later after I was baptized was a res uh, my response to his love for me that overwhelmed me. It overwhelmed me. And then I fell in love with Jesus. So we love him because he first loved us. I'm not sure without God in our lives if we know what love even means. Mm -hmm. What it even means. There's verses in the Bible that says, where God says, uh, you love your children and you give them good gifts, but how much more the Heavenly Father? Mm -hmm. Our love is imperfect, but His is perfect. Turn with me to John 13. Really interesting here. The magic formula so people out in the street can recognize that we're disciples. Right. Isn't that something? Mm -hmm. The magic formula. A new commandment I give you, John 13, verse 34, that you love one another even as I loved you, that you also love one another. By this all men will know that you're my disciples if you have love from one another. How's that for a magic formula? If you're not fighting, if you're not judging, if you're not doing any of the stuff that's done by everyone else, right. people will know you're my disciples because you love and you accept. You love them un unconditionally, you accept them unconditionally. Good. Of course, we know the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 13. Um, we won't go there, but that's, we know that as the love chapter. It's patient. It's kind. Mm -hmm. Do we need a little more of that in this world? Mm -hmm. Being patient and kind, forgiving one another. Do we need that? Mm -hmm. You bet we do. Now turn with me to our main story in John chapter 8. I really can't believe what happens here. John chapter 8. There's a lady here who's going to have a bad day real quick. The people who set her up really didn't care about her because she was collateral damage. They didn't care about her at all, but they did care about Jesus. 
How are we going to get after Jesus and how are we going to condemn him and how can we set him up so he dies? And the reason they wanted to set him up to die, to get him out of the picture, is because he was taking their following. So pride got in the way. They were the religious leaders, so they wanted all the glory and all the attention and everything and the pomp and the pride, everything that comes with that. But Jesus was taken it away because he loved people unconditionally and he accepted them. And he healed them. And he worked with them and he taught them another way. But who is Jesus? He didn't go through the training we did. Well, he doesn't even agree with us on everything. So they set him up. The lady was collateral damage. She just didn't matter to them. But as long as they could get to Jesus. Jesus had a setting there to, uh, because he was in the temple early morning like he always did and he was teaching. So he had people all around him sitting and learning truth. It was a different truth than what they heard Different from the 620 commandments that the Jews had. Uh, it was a whole lot different from that. And it talked about loving one another. Unconditionally and accepting. So what a crowd he had. In the midst of this, just picture what's going on here. In the midst of this, with everyone all around him listening, trying to learn and hearing truth. And their heart is being stirred. They, they, they bring a woman and throw him right at his feet. Again, she's collateral damage. It doesn't matter what happens to her because they're trying to get to him. It's not a good statement, is it, for religious leaders? But they had a goal. They had a mission. And even though in their... Law, the husband was pro, uh, supposed to bring charges in a religious court with witnesses. That wasn't the case here. And even though in Rome, capital punishment is only through Rome, it, it didn't matter. They threw him there. They were going to ask him some questions. Um, their attitude toward the woman was no forgiveness, no mercy, no hope. Her future was gone. She was really like the thief on a cross. That was it. It was over. Was anyone here ever in a place where you knew you were, you were going to die? Okay, I have two. Anyone else? Okay, another one. Um, it's not a pleasant feeling. When I was 30 years old, I had a heart problem. I actually went and sustained VTAC. And... Uh, your heart, my heart was up there. The heart was racing at over 200 beats a minute. And I knew that was it. I knew I was gone. Uh, it's not a pleasant feeling. But you do get honest with God very quickly. Uh, and all I remember, all I remember was, Father, take care of my, my wife and my kids. I had two kids at the time. And the other thing I remember is, Lord, I don't want to die. That's it. That's all I remember. 
But that's what she was experiencing. The sentence was stoning. They said it. She knew her life was over. What I love about this story is it teaches us about salvation. This is really, uh, this, this story is the gospel story. Uh, so go with me in chapter 8. They said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman has been caught in adultery in the very act. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. What do you say? Verse 6, they were saying this, testing him in order that they might have grounds for accusing him. And Jesus stooped down with his finger and wrote on the ground. Collateral damage, she knows she's dead. The crowd is just waiting for that to take place. The crowd is there hearing truth, absorbing truth, and now this takes place. They not only didn't care about her, because she was collateral damage, but they didn't care about everyone else sitting there and learning truth at the feet of Jesus. They didn't care about the crowd either. They wanted to make a point to everyone that we're the religious leaders that we know best. We know best, this is wrong, and we're going to prove to you that Jesus is not a, a real leader because we're going to... Well, and they didn't say set them up, but that's what they did. Mm -hmm. This is what the law says. What do you say? Right. Jesus' response is just amazing. He didn't strike back. He didn't take things personally. That's something I'm still learning. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm from back east, and <laughs> someone goes at it, you go at it. Eventually, someone's not standing, and you're okay. You figured it out. But Jesus is not of that mind. He doesn't strike back. He didn't take things personally. He had a redemptive attitude. And I still try to learn that more and more every day, a redemptive attitude. He could have set things straight for the crowd and everyone else. Mm -hmm. But he got down and wrote on the sand. We don't know exactly what he wrote, but I, I think from his comment that's coming up next, we have an idea what he wrote. Mm -hmm. I think he was talking about pride and, and other things that some of the leaders had, and he started writing it down. He didn't directly answer the question, because you don't have to. When someone puts you in the spot or someone's judging you or whatever, you don't have to answer their question. And sometimes it's better you don't. Sometimes it's better to keep your mouth shut. <laughs> uh, I learned that from my dad a long time ago. Because uh, sometimes you can say things and it'll get worse. Sometimes you can say things and you're going to have to go back later and ask for forgiveness. Sometimes you can say things and it can hurt someone so bad, but you don't mean it that bad. Um, so sometimes it's better just to be quiet. But he did write in the sand. And I, he was making a point. I remember one time 
I have a, a good friend, Rob Bellin. Uh, he left. He was in the church. He, he left. And we got talking. I'm still in contact with him. And we were talking one time, and I told him, you know, he needs to come back to Jesus, and he needs to come back to church. And he then reminded me about how we were before I accepted Christ. He started reminding me of things, uh, which I didn't want to hear. <laughs> Because when I was growing up, I had a foul, foul mouth. I could outcurse anyone. And again, I didn't care about God or people, and it was all about me. And we did some stupid things. And of course, I've, I've known him since fifth grade, so he knew a lot of them. And, and he rehearsed them for me. I know. <laughs> uh, and so I was praying while he was talking and telling me how bad I was. Um, but I started to remember the story, and I started to remember other stories. Mm -hmm. I just kept my mouth shut. Mm -hmm. He finally got done after five, ten minutes. <laughs> uh, and all I could say, I was impressed by God to say, well, you're right. Everything you just stated is right. But I said, that was me. I'm not that way now. Because God has changed me. And, and that's, that's what's happening here. Do you know what? Before he wrote in the sand, do you think he could have said it orally? He could have. But what happens once he says it orally in front of all these people? What happens? They don't get a chance to save face. So now they're less likely to have their hearts melted and, and come to Jesus. Mm -hmm. It's less likely because you just embarrassed him in front of all these people. Mm -hmm. So he could have spoke, but he didn't. He wrote it in the sand. Because he didn't want to do that because he had a redemptive attitude. That not only is this person thrown down here who knows she's going to die, not only is she important to me, but these religious leaders who set her up and don't care about her, they're important to me too. It's amazing. I don't know if I could have done that. <laughs> I don't know if I would have had that same mindset. Uh, but Jesus did. And we need to do that. If we can fire back at people, don't do it. Don't do it. It's, it's not the right thing to do. We need to take the high road and we need to have a redemptive attitude. But Jesus did say something finally. Verse 7. When they persisted in asking him. It's amazing. He was writing on the ground. Probably talking about pride and other things. And it, it says here in verse 7. They persisted. They didn't stop. They didn't slow down. They just kept at it. So he straightened up. He's done writing. It's time to talk. And he said, he who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. What do you think that just told her? She's dead. It's just a matter of seconds now. That's what she thinks. The religious leaders started to walk away. 
Jesus basically told them all, you're all in the same boat. Mm -hmm. The one you threw on the ground, the one that you set up to get at me, you're just as bad, if not worse, than she is. Mm -hmm. We're all in the same boat. When I was, <laughs> this is a story I don't like to mention. When I was pastoring in northern New Jersey, and this is back in the 80s. Some of you probably weren't even born yet. <laughs> uh, there was uh, a homosexual gentleman who came in and went at Bible studies and the talk. And, and back then, really, back then it wasn't understood and accepted. And, as much as it is uh, now. Mm -hmm. And I had a hard time. I wanted to shake this person's hand and they wanted to hug. I would have, really wouldn't have any of that. And I had a hard time even giving them Bible studies. Mm -hmm. and, and one day in prayer, the Lord impressed me. Who do you think you are? Mm -hmm. I love him as much as I love you. Mm -hmm. Who do you think you are? Boy, I didn't like that. <laughs> didn't like that, but I knew God was right. And that changed everything for me. I could give him a hug. And I could study the Bible in earnest with him. And I need, and I'm happy to say, that he finished his Bible studies. He, he put away his, his former life, and he was baptized. Um, because that's the kind of God we serve. He does miracles. Lives can change. But God was trying to make a statement with me. We're all in the same boat. You know, who do I think I am? So I got that. I'm slow to learn. I'm hard-headed at times. But I got that one. Now look at verse 8. Again, he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. He wasn't done. And it says in verse 9, one by one they, they left uh, with the older ones first. Why is that important? <laughs> right, right. They were the top. They were the top of the top. And so when they started to leave, then it gave permission for everyone else to leave. And, and they better leave. They better follow his example. And it says he was left alone with the woman where she had been in their midst. And straightening up, Jesus said to her, Woman, where are they? Where are they? Did no one condemn you? She said, No one, Lord. Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go your way from now on, sin no more. Amen. Story of salvation. Amen. The whole story is salvation. Because we're all in her shoes. All of us. We're all set up, as said by religious leaders, by Satan. We're all set up all the time. All the time. And when Satan has us down on the ground stomping on us, telling Jesus, what do you say? Then my Savior, my Savior can say, He's mine. She's mine. Leave her alone. Leave him alone. 
That's the kind of God we serve. So Jesus said, neither do I. What great words. Neither do I. Now it's really, really interesting on what he could have said to her. Because he said, those who are without sin throw the first stone. So could Jesus have done that? He could have. But he didn't. Because we all love to quote John 3.16 3, that says what? But what does 17 say that we don't quote? What does it say? Anyone? He did not come in the world what? To condemn the world. He, if he was going to condemn the world he could have stayed in heaven. Right? He can do it from there. That would have been easy. But he didn't. He didn't come into the world to condemn. He could have said to her, go before these religious leaders change their mind and come back. Mm -hmm. He could have said to her, I'll be taking your place soon. Your sin is mine. Which he did. He could have said, your death penalty is mine. Mm -hmm. But I'm covering you. So go your way. Was he telling her that sinning was okay? He said, go and sin no more. Did he ask her to do the impossible? Go to the next verse. Verse 12. After he says in verse 11, from now on, sin no more, he says, I'm the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. So after he told her, go and sin no more, he tells her how to do that, which was basically summarizing, follow me. Follow me. You'll be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Your life will change forever. Mm-hmm. Follow me. Mm-hmm. I love this story. It's the gospel. Jesus didn't stay up in heaven. He came down. Satan, religious leaders, whoever, throw us in the dust and say, stone him, kill him. And Jesus will have none of that because he didn't come into the world to get down. Otherwise, I didn't have a chance of anything. That's right. That'd be it. It'd be over. It'd be finished. And that's why I love my Savior. Amen. That's why I love him, because he changed my life forever. He took this foul-mouthed, cursing kid, which I was very good at, unfortunately. (laughs) Didn't care about God. Didn't care about people. Had a temper. Cursing and a temper goes together. Um took all that and took all that mess and all that brokenness and then he loved me to death. And that's what changed my life. Scripture says we love him because he first loved us. So, if anyone has ever offended you, 
in this church. I apologize on their behalf. Because we need to love one another. I got told many things by church members over the years. Uh, a lot wasn't nice, and that's okay. Because I know who I serve. And I know, I know what he went through. And that's okay. I can have a little taste of that, and that's, that's fine. But we need to love one another because that's the only way the people in this community is going to pick up that you're God's disciples. It's because they're going to see us loving one another. They're going to see us caring for them. Again, simple things. I don't care if you smile at someone. That could be serving God. That could be witnessing for God. Waving to someone. Whatever you want to do, you're the light for God. This is a place for sinners, Amen. this church. Amen. A place for sinners. But forgiven sinners. That's right. And again, I apologize if condemning you was more important than loving you. I apologize if condemning you was more important than accepting you unconditionally. So welcome, sinners. Stay in the church, love one another through God's strength. Amen. We can't love one another naturally. Mm-hmm. I truly believe it's through the, the power of the Holy Spirit that we love one another. Because naturally we don't have this in it. We don't have it in us mm-hmm. to do that. We just don't. But through the Spirit of God, we can learn to love one another. Amen. So be students of His Word. Pray to him on a regular basis. Allow him to guide and lead your life. Someone said something very interesting to me. They say God wrote the Ten Commandments in stone. They stand forever. But when he wrote the sins, he wrote it in sand. Because they can be forgiven and taken away and not permanent. And that's what Jesus does. And that's the kind of God I would have served. That's the kind of God I fell in love with. So when you think of the woman caught in adultery, you need to think of the plan of salvation acted out right before your eyes because she was us with nowhere to turn. Is that the Jesus, the kind of Jesus you would have loved? Just raise your hand. Amen. Amen. Let's have a word of prayer together. Father, it's amazing. It's just amazing the kind of love that you surround us with. Father, we we experience that love and then we respond to it. It's not a love we fully understand by any means. But it's a love that we have experienced at least partially. But it's a love we respond to imperfectly, but we still nonetheless respond to. 
Father, we're a mess. We're broken. We're a mess. You already know that. And you love us in spite of that. But then, Father, you don't leave us there. Through your strength, through your Holy Spirit, through your power, you take our broken lives and you mend them day by day, moment by moment. Things that were important to us weren't or aren't anymore or aren't as much. And you set our priorities straight little by little. And we just thank you and praise you for that. Father, there's a community around this church that needs to see us loving one another. So, Father, help us to love one another despite our thoughts, despite our imperfections. Help us to love one another. And then, Father, as, as we are the light to our community, I just pray you will help us to do little things and big things that could influence people for you. As I mentioned already, sometimes it's a wave, sometimes it's a smile, sometimes it's helping put someone's trash out to the curb. It's different things, it's little things, but it's a lot of things combined together that help people notice, Father. So help us to minister to our communities. Help us to minister to those we work with on a daily basis, our neighbors, our family, our relatives. Help us to do our part, Father. And Father, this example with the lady caught in adultery, it's such a wonderful story because that's us. We're laying on the ground expecting to be killed, but but you'll have none of that. Because you 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 were gonna pay that price for her and you paid it for us. And we thank you, Father. Father, continue to bless each one of us. Draw us closer and closer to thee. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.